Hello and welcome to the Hacker Noon podcast. This is Hacker Noon's blockchain editor Utsav, and today I have a shadowy super coder with us, who, curiously enough, works on the other side of the fence. He belongs to Anchorage, and his name is Aaron Lind. Uh, Anchorage, as some of you might know, holds a charter to be a national bank. Along with him, I have Leslie Ankney, who would be, who is also a representative of Anchorage and has been like taking care of the marketing and business development side of things. And hopefully we have a very good episode for you today. Afternoon podcast. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to pass the mic on to Aaron, guest of the day. Tell us something about your day. What does your day look like? You said that you are a low level cryptographer. What does that mean? Utsav, again, thank you so much for having us on today. Yeah. What does my day look like? A great question. As you may imagine, one of the best parts of Anchorage as a platform for for digital assets is uh, the fact that security is the, the primary mission, making sure that people's assets stay exactly where they are and that nothing, nothing unexpected that comes along in the news or anything else on one of the blockchains affects the security of those assets. And what my day looks like is uh, staying on top of what is happening with crypto, first and foremost. There are things that happen 24-7, and to stay uh, apprised of all of those events is a big part of the job, being able to evaluate those individual occurrences to ensure, frankly, that our clients' assets are secure and that they can continue to interact with the blockchain the way that, that they would expect. So staying, it always, it always starts with figuring out what's going on. And on top of that, we have built at Anchorage a number of really in-depth monitoring services where we stay, where we stay up to date, up to the second of, of what's changing and what's moving in the crypto. Let me make it easier for you, right? Uh, so what's your favorite blockchain? Oh, wow. They're all so pretty. Their own, they're all, they all have their own beautiful idiosyncrasies. I, mm. I think that- it's, I got to yeah. chime in here too. One of the cool things about working at Anchorage Digital, and I'm Leslie, I'm the communications lead here, a former Forbes reporter. I think it's just that Anchorage is blockchain agnostic. We will support a variety of blockchains based on what institutions would like. Hmm. That was such a reportery answer. I'm looking for a name though. We continue to add new blockchains to the Anchorage digital portfolio all the time. Mm. We take a lot of we take a lot of a chance to make sure that those chains are sound, mm. that they the assets and the contracts involved have as much stability as we possibly can ensure for our clients. You can always go uh, to the the website at anchorage.com and and see all of those uh, all of those wonderful blockchains which we equally love. <laughs> Okay, I'll leave it at that. All <laughs> blockchains were born equal, but are treated unequally. It's a pretty unfair world. Let's move <laughs> on to the next question. Aaron, when we hear about custody and then we look at these Bitcoiners, especially on Twitter, who say stuff like, not your keys, not your crypto. What's your answer to that? You get to sleep easy at night. What else do you say? From our perspective here at Anchorage Digital, the real true concern around holding safely holding crypto 
is the security of the private key. The, that key material, similar to actually physically holding cash or gold, has a physical bearer bond ownership criteria, which is a very interesting concept to map onto actual digital bits, which can be immediately transferred and the immediacy of, of what happens if a transaction happens an unsafe or a way that you didn't want. It's not like a lot of other electronic methods mm. of currency. You can't just undo it. There's an irreversibility. There's a irrecoverability like wire transfers that, that is as part of that digital currency. And really it comes down to how can you safely interact with that private key material while not exposing it to any other risk and other, other sort of ways of letting it out that could, you know, cause you to lose all of your funds. <laughs> By the way, so curious question, uh, what is the ballpark figure of the like value of the funds that you guys manage, if it's a question that you are comfortable answering? Well, we, we cannot answer exactly to the second. What I can say Not is true. that, yeah, we obviously do have we obviously do have billions of, of dollars worth of cryptocurrency under custody and that moves along with the investments that our clients make. Mm -hmm. So that was a B, that was a billions worth of B, right? <laughs> yeah. T 10 to the ninth, if, if anybody uses the, the metric system around here. <laughs> I'm in India. That's all that we know. <laughs> That's right. Anchorage Digital is global. And so we have to speak all of the units of measurement regardless. There's this funny story about this like metrics and the like imperial system. So NASA uses the metric system, but the rest of America uses the imperial system. So mm -hmm. they built this rocket and it malfunctioned because some of the scientists who had been newly hired, they did not know the metric system. And most of the calculations were done in the metric system. So because somebody knew that. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, humans, man, humans, what can we I say? I like we could just make this podcast about how the imperial system is very inefficient. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any defense. Know. I don't have as I don't have any defense of that, unfortunately. I have. All of us maybe would just agree though. We're like, yeah, get rid of it. I, I yeah. love using like kilograms. That's how I think now. It's just easier. It is easier. But just to play devil's advocate, right? So the world's like richest economy uses the imperial system. And I guess that should be reason enough. Maybe if the others use it and they get as rich as the USA, who knows? Three places in the world which use that, but yeah, <laughs> like somebody somewhere should capitulate. But anyways, let's get back to about uh, custody solutions. So where do you guys think does this, these DeFi innovations, DEXs, pools, AMMs, like where do they come into the picture? Is it safe to have your money in a pool? Like the short answer is no, I know that. But could you expand on that? Like, why is a DEX pool not safe? Nobody talks about that. All they say is impermanent losses may occur. Let me talk about one of the benefits of uh, that we've really developed over at Anchorage Digital. And that's the fact that we're now a nationally regulated crypto bank. And just like you would expect from a banking institution that is regulated by uh, country, there are certain aspects of stability and certain aspects of due diligence and oversight that you expect 
out of banking activities. That's because the OCC, which is our, our, our regulator, has really set the tone for what's expected from not, not only from banks that are handling cryptocurrency, but in fact, all you know, financial institutions. That's one of the things that I want to make super clear is that we have the same regulatory oversight as a traditional financial bank in the United States. And with that comes having to follow the regulations or rules when it comes to holdings that we have. And what Anchorage gives as a benefit to those other institutions is that they can actually use our digital asset platform to bring crypto and stable coins to their retail customers with us powering the state, the safe custody in the back end. That allows projects as well as the different funds, the different uh, in, you know, interactive pieces and the different decentralized finance institutions, if you want to call them that. They have the ability to access the same building blocks that mm-hmm. any other institution building an application, building sort of a way to interact would do. And so what that gives you is the stability afforded by some of the financial activities of a traditional big bank financial institution with the interaction on the blockchain that is evident and safe and very clearly traceable so that you don't get yourself into those situations like you've described. Mm. So it's really about building it up. About DeFi. DeFi is really on the radar for us. It's very important. In fact, today we actually announced support for Aave Governance, uh, mm-hmm. one of the most popular DeFi protocols, right through our platform. So that means institutions can now vote mm. in Aave Governance voting without having to do deal with the cumbersome tasks themselves as well as not exposing their keys when they participate. We've always been an early pro- proponent of DeFi and we realized that DeFi is a very experimental early place, but there's so many exciting things happening to in it that we offer custody support for many DeFi tokens. We're always looking at more of them. We're bringing quite a bit of wrapped layer one protocols to Ethereum. And we also just recently supported Bitwise in its launch of the first DeFi crypto index fund. Mm -hmm. So I think in the coming years, you know, we'll see more institutional participation in this space. Mm -hmm. But as you said, going out there alone where you see that disclaimer on just about every site, it's if you do this, you could be facing a permanent loss. It's a little bit scary as an individual. I I love looking at DeFi. I have personally not invested the time or the resources to to participate myself, but I am really excited to see if Anchorage can make it possible for institutions. It's going to be more easy for people like me someday to do it. Gotcha. And you brought up a very interesting point. You said that me as an individual, that basically what I also have to say over that we represent institutions, but at the end of the day, we are individuals. And what has been a growing trend, like with these problems that the political instabilities or whatever have caused in some parts of the world, most parts of the world, to be honest, what happens is that people don't have a lot of faith in the regulators personally, or like, let's not use the word personally, like a lot of people wouldn't worry about regulation or being regulated unless they are looking at millions of dollars of fines and lawsuits. If it is somebody small, for them, they could just file for bankruptcy and maybe just show their pockets. I don't have that kind of money that you could make 
after the lawyer fees or whether can get sued the feds or whoever can go after a company like just because everyone knows that there would be a billion dollar payout for whoever wins nobody would give, would go after let's say a dai a dai is a decentralized stable coin but nobody would go after them for the obvious reasons that nobody would make money off of it so does that mean that the custody solutions and the products that we see on the tradfi or the cdfi side of things do they apply just to the institutions or is it a case where everybody says it's going to be broke until they become big enough and then everybody wants to get regulated what's your take on that so there's a lot in that question let me take this from the standpoint of what regulation means to us and what the mission of anchorage is in that world because i think it's very clear that there are a lot of players in that situation that you just described with a lot of competing that way so what i'll say is that for anchorage one of the biggest benefits is actually simplifying the regulatory landscape for crypto mm-hmm. and let me explain how that's accomplished so essentially having a federally chartered bank versus going with one with state regulation or sub jurisdictional regulation is that the federal regulations really preempt all of those state regulations in our in the cases uh, that we are are using what that means is that instead of having to worry about all of the cross jurisdictional differences and different rules different regulations what you have is a, a relatively simpler structure that you can work within and actually have actually follow those that, that consistent set of rules basically it allows anchorage to have a little bit more flexibility in terms of the products that we deliver and how we we can choose to interact and give the opportunities for our clients to interact with the different blockchains and, and frankly we are the first federally regulated crypto bank in the United States and we are using that opportunity to fully comply with all of the regulations and to give our clients the opportunity to benefit from that from the nature of the services that we provide and so instead of having to fight the fight on your own what we will give you is a safe platform in which to engage in those things i i know that maybe that doesn't directly answer all of the implications of the questions that you are asking but from our perspective what it does is it creates an environment that's very safe very secure and that has an advantage for for our clients that are both under our custody it really gives the opportunity to have very safe interactions between those usually separated in, 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 in entities that you were referring gotcha let's talk about crypto banks that you brought up so how like crypto basically now becomes an asset or let's say a currency a mode of exchanging value that is i guess what the other banks also hold so what makes a crypto bank different from a normal bank apart from the fact that they hold different kinds of currency that's a great answer and and the the very short answer is essentially not a whole lot in terms of the regulation itself obviously there are benefits of blockchain based 
cryptocurrencies in terms of the fact that your ledger is distributed and that right. you have the ability to have uh, very clear separation of accounts, separation of funds. All of those sort of benefits of the blockchain are actually a benefit to a crypto bank because you have super clear uh, right. data coming from the financial model. We, we comply with all of the know your customer and foreign asset control regulations and giving a very clear way for our customers to comply with those as an institution ha has been part of our mission from the beginning. And just so, a couple so, yeah. things to add here. I, and I also want to mention, like Aaron said, we are yeah, regulated at the same level as national banks. So like a JP Morgan, a BNY Mellon are going to have this same type of regulation that Anchorage Digital has. A few things that are different about our charter, we don't accept deposits with it, like retail or otherwise. We work exclusively with institutions. Another thing people have asked us about before is, does that mean that Anchorage is connected to the Fedwire or using the Federal Reserve Account and Payment System Service? If you know blockchain, then that there's a lot more advantage to using blockchain. Exactly. We take the view that the Fed and legacy banking as a whole can benefit from better financial rails through blockchain as we just did earlier this year with Visa partnering to do APIs so they can now do stablecoin settlement through USDC. Mm -hmm. Do.com, they have that all set up with us. But I think that's just something interesting to point out. People think about these legacy rails, they've been around forever, but our goal really is to change that. Our goal is really to bring the innovation. It's not just blockchain as an investment class, it's blockchain as a technology layer that can make settlement, can make payments, can make the, the whole legacy banking layer, layer, what we call traditional finance, better. Right. Gotcha. Like I bring this up because first of all, I think that you guys have to uh, take off a lot more boxes than a normal bank because there is this whole level of education that you need to provide to the regulators or whatnot. They would ask questions like, okay, so where's that money? And you point to an 18 character long string and say, can't you see that money is over there? So they need to be educated. And there's a funny story over there. So ATMs were about to get this new operating system, Windows XP embedded, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know the story. <laughs> no, please. I don't know it, talk to me. <laughs> Let's, no, please. It's, I, 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 I know that we have had the problem with ATM security for, <laughs> for pretty much forever. I believe uh, MS-08067 probably still lives around in the, uh, the people that know about that story. Uh, the 08 for that bug number from Microsoft being 2008, if that uh, tells anybody that's listening how long that has been the attack of choice on Windows XP embedded, but uh, please, it's some good. <laughs> Right, so there's the shadow is super coded for everybody. I'll make it simple for those of us who don't speak like whatever language Aaron just spoke. So, <laughs> so basically the thing was that there was a lot of like problems and those needed to be fixed, but the costs that were involved in basically making the systems more secure or upgrading the OS led to a backlash from the people who were building those ATMs because those guys did not have the know-how to install those operating systems or whatnot. You would be like surprised by the number of like COBOL programmers, which was what we all learned in our third grade, I guess as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that is the like level of education that you need to provide and that is on the computing side of the world let's call it let's call them those people who everybody calls when they have a tech problem but what you guys have to deal with and my dad's an accountant so like you have to deal with all of these things where you have to teach those people who might not really be technically inclined so on that note is there a funny story that you guys have for us like you had to explain something which made like immediate sense to you and they made you guys jump through hoops or what not to make them understand what should have been very evident uh while i might not have any good funny stories what i can tell you is that we have been working really hard with our regulators with our industry partners to do a lot of education we not only have we not only have interactions with our regulator the occ we also have interactions with other institutions in the world that want to safely hold crypto and what i can say is that the commonality of mission is actually the same in mm. in those two situations and that is essentially how do you map the more modern ways of holding cryptocurrency to the traditional banking practices that everybody mm-hmm. is used to that sort of mapping one to another is is the way it's been going and to probably to a lot of people's surprise not to our surprise because we've been working with them pretty closely our regulators on the OCC were basically asking the right questions that they were attempting to see okay this is a concept in banking that you know talking about non circulating supply or talking about how you're doing accounting across fiat or mm. all of the different on roads and off ramps to cryptocurrency that may exist as parallels in different areas of traditional finance mm. and the strategy that we always tried to use in situations like that was mapping our activities to another sort of activity that was known and familiar to the regulator so that they can reason about it in the same way and talking about holding cryptocurrency with dual party control and having technically enforced protocol level controls that enforce those guardrails is it's like a a mapping activity because the truth of the matter is the distributed ledger is a ledger right? right it has all of the debits changes in accounts right. so all of these sort of uh, these ideals exist in both places right. and really what we're going through is mapping from one to another and mm-hmm. and it's been a super collaborative effort not just with the OCC and the regulators but all of the institutions that we've been talking to about sub custody as well and that mapping process is the exciting part because mm-hmm. because in practicality and, and this is the the feeling that I've had and this is the feeling that Anchorage had is really the future of finance is in being able to harness the power of decentralized currency mm-hmm. and the more bridges that we can build with the regulatory structure and different company or in different countries different companies as they're building out their products mm-hmm. that br- those bridges are actually what moves us all and so it hasn't been it hasn't been bad because i think people are realizing that this is the future this is where we're right. going and so we're just telling good stories and trying to map it to concepts that we all know gotcha like that there were like some really wonderful analogies i guess you were trying to dumb it down for me thank you for that i needed it <laughs> from one sort of bridges to the other so let's talk about decentralized bridges are they safe 
I hear about, I hear a lot about some of them getting hacked. They need to have their vaults. They essentially act like you guys without any of the regulatory protocols, without the technical know-how in certain cases. What would you say to something like that? I think it's really important that you've hit on a couple of the really key pieces of that. And that is soundness of how the underlying funds are being custodied the soundness of the smart contracts and the interactions that are with the protocol or the token that you're talking about, and then how ongoing governance happens, right? These are all the the core concepts of, of what, as an investor, as a participant in this project, you have control over. We always ensure that the soundness of the underlying cryptography as well as a number of other aspects of the token or the currency are sound before we ever allow it into our system. And while that's, again, that's never a guarantee of performance, that's never a guarantee of a lot of other things, to be super clear, having that insight into the bones of of the body that you're putting your money into is going to be is going to be the, the fundamental question. It's the same sort right. of question that you'd get asked, that you would ask if you were going to invest in a security or something like that. You're going to want to understand the prospectus. You're going to want to understand all the things that go into it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to blockchain, you have to look at it from different angles. So mm-hmm. we look at it from the technical, technical side. How is this blockchain set up? But we also look at it from a compliance side. Can we get the kind of reporting that's needed? We look at it from the legal side. We're a member of the Crypto Ratings Council, which also our other members um, are looking at coins and, and deciding about these things. But you really have to look at it at multiple lenses. To look at it, just the compliance side alone would be missing a huge amount of very important information that comes from knowing the differences between different protocols and how they're set up. So mm-hmm. the engineering side is absolutely very important to this. Mm, most definitely. And with that, I'd like to end on a fun note. What would like your individual advice be to somebody who you who like, let's say, would take all of their savings and buy Dogecoin? What would your advice to be if they just like you see them while they are about to hit that buy button, twenty thousand dollars worth of savings or whatever is their amount? Let's say it's their entire like life savings. What would you tell them if you just peeked over your shoulder in the bus or wherever? You see them, life savings, gonna buy Dogecoin. Really want to give investment advice. Uh, but of <laughs> course, this is like a scenario where, you know, that basically- Humanity. Like, don't, don't throw in what you, aren't, what you can't afford to lose. Mm. That's a big one. <laughs> at least just, save- I don't know what you want to add here. <laughs> yeah, at, at least save yourself enough to buy yourself a beverage afterwards is my <laughs> advice. Have, have a drink after you do that. That would be it. <laughs> Yeah, you're going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> on that funny note, guys, I'd like to call it a wrap. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Leslie, for being on the Hackathon podcast. And hopefully we would see you guys soon. And best wishes to the entire Anchors team from us. Thank you, guys. Have a nice one. Thank Thanks so much. Yourself. Bye-bye. Afternoon podcast.